We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Well, hello, Crossroads. How are you? Hey, my name is Pastor Brian. I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads, and I am so glad that you're with us here today. And uh, especially if this is your first time being a part of our church, we just want to welcome you and let you know that our mission here at Crossroads is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. It's why we exist. Anything we can do to help you along that journey, we're here for you, and those chat hosts are available to help you take your next steps right here today. Now, listen, this week we had, check this out, we had 153 junior hires and high school students on campus. They took over our parking lot, and it was so cool. And because, because normally they would be at Hume Lake, but unfortunately because of COVID, they weren't able to have like real summer camp up in the woods. So instead, we just brought Hume to them, and our team did a tremendous job of bringing a Hume camp for free for our junior hires and high school. It was pretty exciting for our students to be able to gather back on campus and just really, really great stuff. So, so proud of our team for being able to do that. But also speaking of coming back on campus, this weekend, our kids services, they are back and they will be outside every Sunday. So you can find out more information at crossroadsgrace.org kids. And our chat host actually at this point, if you just want to put some information in the chat log, that would be fantastic. Our team is so excited to engage with your kids again. But listen, let's get down to it because we are in the last week as we wrap up our series that is called Uncharted. It's a series that we are looking at the uncharted areas of our world as we enter back into it. And, and how are we supposed to approach these things as Christians? So, so week one, we actually talked about how our, we are going into uncharted relationships and how it is important to keep perspective in the middle of these uncommon times and we ultimately kind of came down to this one idea that uh, we really wanted to make sure that, we, um, that we, were per- we didn't make permanent decisions should never be made during temporary challenges. Never make permanent decisions relationally during temporary challenges. Never do that. Then in week two, we looked at our uncharted life and specifically as it related to our jobs and our finances. So how are we supposed to uh, respond when everything seems to be crazy and unsettled around us? And so we said that when we look at our life, we actually want to trust our life to the giver of life. That, that we don't want to trust our life to the one, that Satan, that wants to, to take it from us. But we want to trust it to the one, Jesus, that wants to give us life. And then last week, week three, we looked at our uncharted mental health. Maybe one of the most important messages that I've ever preached. And it was this time that we kind of, we realized that in this weird world that we're in, people are being thrown into a, a mental tailspin in so many different ways. But guys, God is good, and he restores us in such beautiful ways. And and he does that not just for us to do it on our own, but he says, I want you to do it with other people, which is why we ultimately said that together, together, we can recover. Uh, And and before I dive into today's message, I just want to encourage you that if for some reason you didn't get a chance to hear those messages, one, don't worry, you're not going to be lost out at all. But I would say I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those. You can always check those out on our free app, the free Crossroads Grace app, or at crossroadsgrace.org. You can find out all those. In fact, your chat hosts are going to put a link in the chat right now so you have it when you're ready. This week, though, 
This week I want us to look at something that oftentimes we as Christians don't want to consider in, in our times of challenge. And, and that is our faith. Now, I'm not sure how you came here today, how you logged on here today. You might have grown up going to church, but never really had a, a faith in Jesus. And so this idea of faith isn't something you really hold tightly to. Or, or maybe you grew up in a tradition that told you that if your faith wavered, even at all, that you weren't faithful enough and God was going to be mad at you. Or, or maybe you're not a Christian at all, which, man, I'm so glad that you're here today. Maybe you're not a Christian at all, and you're not sure about this whole faith thing at all. To you, faith is just the first name of your favorite country western singer. However you came in here today, I get it. Faith can be tricky. It can be confusing for some people. And if you're here and you believe in God and he's a part of your life, then the last thing that you want to ever admit is that you have lost your connection with him or your connection is breaking up with him. It, unless, of course, you have Verizon and then your signal's usually pretty solid with that whole thing. But, but, but we'd be kidding ourselves to think that, that, that this time of our world hasn't challenged our faith. That age-old question of why do bad things happen to good people could not be more directly in the spotlight right now. We see police brutality and riots and death and in isolation and even the unknown. And all of that can kind of cause us to say, hey, hey, God. Where are you at, bro? Like, where are you at in the middle of this thing? And, and, and listen, this isn't just for people that are new to their faith, but this has shaken a lot of the, the seasoned men and women of faith. I'd be kidding myself if I didn't say that I didn't have some questions for God during this time. Hey, God, what about the hurt and the fear and the, the losses and the confusion? It, it, it can all start to suffocate you like a spiritual wet blanket. And you can almost feel like you, you've lost your faith or it's slipping away. Back in 1578, there was a guy by the name of St. John of the Cross. He, he wrote a poem called The Dark Night. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm sure all of you have probably read that before, but, but for the handful of people that aren't familiar with 16th century Christian mystics, let me just kind of put this all up to speed. In 1577, when St. John of the Cross was 35 years old, he was abducted by his own monastic brothers in the, the monastery they were staying at. And they did this because they weren't that keen on the reforms that he was advocating in their order. And so what they did is they incarcerated him, put, threw him in jail for nine months in a monastery in Toledo, Spain. I want you to listen to how uh, Richard Rohr actually describes the, the time that uh, St. John had. He said his prison cell, that's St. John of the Cross, his prison cell, a stone room barely large enough for his body, had formerly been a latrine. His single robe rotted from his body in the fetid heat of summer, and in winter he shivered in the rag that remained. Several times a week the brothers brought him out to be flogged while they enjoyed their midday meal. Otherwise he sat in the darkness, tracking the stars through the single small window, high up on the wall of his cell. So, so St. John was in a dark, dark place, both physically and spiritually. And it was in that damp, dark cell that this famous poem called The Dark Night or The Dark Night of the Soul was written. And in this poem, he describes the, the aching of his soul as he's feeling disconnected from God. And it became more and more intense. I want you to listen to the third and fourth stanzas of that poem. It says, On that glad night, in secret, for no one saw me, nor did I look at anything, with no other light or guide than the one that burned in my heart. This guided me more surely than the light of noon to where he was awaiting, awaiting me. Him I knew so well. 
there in a place where no one appeared. You can, you can feel those words pressed through your heart, can't you? You, you, can, you can almost see him writing it. Tucked into a cramped cell, not trying to move very much as every pen stroke hurts because of the pain of that day's flogging. It'd be easy to see why he would feel distant from God. And, and I fear that many of us are coming out of this time of, of being, being sheltering in place and COVID and all the fears. And we have this, this uncharted feeling to our faith. We start asking, hey, how, how do we get past our fear? How do we trust again? Should, should we go back to meeting in church again? Or, or where was God when all of this unrest happened? But maybe this isn't new either. And COVID has, is really just the straw that broke the spiritual back. Maybe you're asking yourself questions like, why did my parents leave me when I was so young? Why was I born into the family with the history of addiction? Hey God, when will I get my shot to, to get promoted? Our, our soul is asking questions our minds can't answer. But, but let's also be honest. Some of the disconnect we're feeling with God cannot be assigned to a hyper-spiritual state like St. John of the Cross. Some, some of the reason for our putrid state of our faith is because we got lazy. We got lazy. We chose to get out of our spiritual rhythm. Tell me this isn't true for some people. We stopped turning, in, turning into services. We stopped praying. Stopped reading our Bible. We stopped being generous and giving. We stopped choosing to be kind on social media. We, we stopped allowing Jesus to guide us. Guys, we even stopped thinking about God altogether. Yet, yet we still will wonder why we feel distant from God and unconnected and, and maybe even a little apathetic. In, in most cases, I could tell you why this happened. It's because we have stopped pursuing God. We stopped pursuing him. We just stopped. For whatever reason, we just stopped and the relationship stalled. Let's think about it this way. Nine out of ten times in a struggling marriage, communication is the culprit. Ask anyone that has been involved in a divorce or a struggling relationship or marriage, and they will tell you that communication is the missing element. When we stop communicating, things start deteriorating. The same is true about God. If we stop connecting with him, our relationship is bound to suffer. And that is when Satan has a field day. He, he will pick at the scab of discontent to make you not care about God. He, he will entice you with all kinds of distractions to monopolize your time. He, he will make your tiredness seem too much to overcome or to tune in or to turn up at church. Satan will do whatever he can to keep you in a dark place with God because he knows that he's not welcome in the light. Consider what John says in John 1, 5. Uh, John 1, 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Satan is a frustrated shadow walker that is mystified by the light of Jesus. Which is why he tries to drag us into the shadows of darkness with him. It's where he feels the safest. So, so how do we reconnect and navigate our faith out of this darkness and into the uncharted world that we find ourselves in? What does it take to strengthen our relationship with him? The question we all should ask is, how do I pandemic-proof my faith? 
And before we dive in and answer those questions, I just want to tell you something else. And it's that, that it's okay when these seasons happen. It's, it's all but natural for this to occur. The author and theologian R.C. Sproul once said these words. He once said that our faith is not a constant action. It is mobile. It vacillates. We move from faith to faith and in between we may have periods of doubt when we cry, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. But how do we process through this unbelief and the uncharted nature of our faith right now? Because I know all of us would like a relationship with Jesus to be strong and have it be confident in him. Even if you don't know who Jesus is, I'll just tell you that that's the aching of your soul. That's what it wants more than anything else. And when I think about this, I think of Paul. And Paul is someone that can help us answer these questions. So, so if you would, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles with you, um, or your Crossroads Grace app, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Your chat host can put a link in for the Bible for you right now. And I just want us to see what it says here. Uh, but, but the reason being that we could do that is that Paul is someone that has experienced mountaintop faith moments and valley lows. He was beaten for his faith, but yet he also healed people. He was thrown into prison, but he evangelized to the prison guards. He was attacked by mobs and then also mobbed by people that loved him. He, he was even inflicted with what he called a thorn in his flesh. And, and he himself said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 8. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul, he's someone that can appreciate a dark night of the soul. Which is why, actually, his words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just a few pages back in your Bible, are so critical to our conversation of faith today. It's where I want us to land, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen to what he says, just in verse 7 alone. He says, but we have this treasure... ...in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power from God is not from us. That it is from God, it is not from us. And, and, and I would be wrong to say, and I would be wrong if I didn't at least push back and say this... ...that, that all of us aren't necessarily feeling that our, our, our faith is in the dark right now. That, that not all of us are feeling scared or nervous about it. For, for some of us, when our faith is uncharted, man, it could be an exciting time... We see it as a new adventure and a challenge to see what God has in store for us. I, I know for me, when I sense a new adventure coming from God, I, I get all excited. I, I get a little nervous. I get those like butterflies that flutter in your stomach when you ask a girl to the dance in the eighth grade. You know what I'm talking about? I, I remember in grad school, when I was trying to, to work full-time, be a dad, be a full-time pastor, also be a husband, and also pass all of my online classes, and wondering how in the world I'm going to get it all done. Yet time and time again, God came through with, uh, with an extra hour of sleep from Easton during his nap or more words to add to my paper that I didn't think I had or another cup of coffee from Dunkin' Donuts just to kind of get me by. But because of that, now I have grad school proof to look back on and I know that God will show up. He'll show off, especially when things seem unclear and maybe a little uncharted. Maybe you have your own experiences to draw from. Those, those times when, when God was good, even in uncharted times. Times where God came through and, and, and can now, can, you can now carry those into where you're at even today. 
But I think that whether you are 100% confident God's going to come through, or you're looking over your shoulder like, I don't know, where are you at, God? I think what Paul just said here is really important for us to remember. He, he says that as believers in Jesus, we, he says we actually carry around with us a treasure inside us. And that treasure is an amazing gift that Jesus gives us when he becomes Lord and Savior of our life. It's a combination of all kinds of good stuff, like freedom and forgiveness and mercy and grace and joy that can only be described as we connect with the saving work of Jesus in our life. And that's amazing to think about. That all that, all that stuff I just listed, lives inside us when we let go of our sinful past and we embrace the love of Jesus. But what is hard to wrap our minds around is that all that amazing stuff is held within a very fragile container. All that finds its home inside of our hearts and our minds and our bodies. Paul actually just described this. He, he actually calls it uh, jars of clay. He, he says that, he, that, we, that it's these jars of clay. Now, now, jars of clay are kind of an interesting thing. Um, and, and, and when you, we first off, start off with pottery, I mean, the, the pottery starts off as kind of a, a soft clay, almost Play-Doh-like, you know, you've played with Play-Doh before. Uh, and when it's shaped and it's formed into this, there's, it, it's, it has to set out to dry for a while. And it might look hard and sturdy, but, but it's, it's really not. It's, it's really not at all. Uh, it looked like it could endure something, but with just a little bit of pressure, man, it just, it just breaks. Let me just tell you this. This is us. We are jars of clay. Uh, no matter how much we try to convince ourselves otherwise by saying, you know what, I'm mentally strong, I'm successful, I have money, I have influence, I have stuff, I have health. Deep down, we, we, we all know that even if we have all of that stuff, we are still weak jars of clay. Guys, it's, if, if this time of COVID has taught us anything, is that we are more aware of this, that we are this fragile than ever before. In, in the blink of an eye, a virus that we could not even see with the naked eye has made us feel more naked and exposed than at any other time in human history. And even though as Christians we know about all the joy and all the security that's found in knowing Jesus, it doesn't change the vessel that it's in. And when pressure comes, it's not surprising that we feel like we're cracking. It, it almost feels like all that Jesus stuff is starting to kind of leak out. <laughs> Which I know what you're saying. Hey, that's super depressing. Hey, you're probably thinking, hey, PB, uh, could you go back to bricking some more free throws like you did in week two instead of continuing with this dumpster fire of a message that you have right now? Listen, I get it. But listen, we need to keep reading. Listen to what Paul says next. Look what he says in verse eight. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Now, let's make sure that we, we catch what Paul just said here at the very beginning. We just said, he just said, Paul just said that we are. We are. Not we might be. Not kind of. Not if something else happens. No, no, no. He says we are. He says we are. And what did he say we are? He says we are. He said we're hard pressed. He says that we are perplexed. 
He actually says that we are persecuted. And then he also goes, he said, hey, we've been struck down. He says, we are those things. And can we just agree that this is how we feel right now? Hard pressed, absolutely, all the negativity that's around us. We are perplexed with the state of the world that we're in. We feel, we feel persecuted for what we believe in. Oh, hey, we also feel struck down by not being able to live like we used to be. We've covered all the bases, hard pressed, perplexed. We are persecuted. We are struck down. And guys, when these things happen, it is so natural for us to think that if we are hard pressed, then of course we will be crushed. That if we are perplexed, then of course we are going to be in despair. Persecuted, totally going to be abandoned. Absolutely. What about struck down? It only makes sense that we would be destroyed. This is what our broken and weak self will naturally tend to think. This is what should happen when we feel these pressures in our world that we live in. We see it every day. All these things happen almost every day. Except that's not how Paul described it. He said, these things will happen. Except after that, he adds two small words that have massive implications. He says all of this, but he says, you might be hard-pressed, but not crushed. He says, you might be perplexed, but not in despair. Hey, persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. But not. But not. How is that possible? How is it possible that you could be hard-pressed but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed? This seems that this should happen. But he says, oh, no, 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 but not. And that is exactly where our mind goes. It says that's what should happen. But listen, how do we get to a place to a place of, how, how do we get past a but not situation? How do we get past there? How do we know that this is true? How do we know this, Paul? Well, check out what he says in verse 10. Verse 10, he says, We carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death by Jesus's sake, for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. The reason Paul says that we can say, but not, is because as Christians, we get to say, but Jesus. Now, this is what we need to hear. We need to hear about Jesus. But what Paul just said here doesn't make sense to us at all. How can Jesus' death make our uh, jars of clay life anything other than more weak? Guys, he literally just said that we carry around in our body the death of Jesus. How does that make any sense? Because when we think of death, we think of the ultimate weak state of our body. It's the point where our body gives out and we are completely done. It is the weakest that we will ever be. There is no such thing as a dead man weightlifting contest. I've never seen one ever. But that is where so many of us find ourselves in our uncharted faith. We wonder, we say, is my faith dead? And what Paul is actually saying is that without death, there can be no life. But this isn't like a Lion King circle of life kind of deal. That's not what we're talking about. He's saying that as Christians, we actually proudly carry around death around with us because it's Jesus's death that gives us life. 
And, and, and that death, and that death was not one that was, was easy or for nothing. No, it was painfully on purpose. It was done painfully on purpose. Jesus' death not only was physical, but it also was spiritual. His physical death was painful. He was on the cross. He had nails driven into the most sensitive parts of the human body of your wrists and your ankles. He was then forced to hold his entire body weight up by those nails. He was destined to suffocate to death on that cross, ridiculed, spit on by passersby, forced to die naked and alone without any comfort. That was Jesus' physical death. But his spiritual death was even more painful. In fact, this spiritual death was the most painful part of the process, something the most painful thing that anyone could ever experience. Because on that cross, Jesus took on more than just pain. He took on all the sin of the world, past, present, and future. And by doing that, he allowed himself, because of that sin, to be separated from the Father. That is the most painful thing about Jesus' death. But it is that full death that we carry around in us as Christians. And it is the complete death of Jesus, physical and spiritual, that will strengthen us in the dark night of the soul. Or the wanderings and the wonderings of our uncharted faith. Because Jesus doesn't come to us with, with untested, smooth hands, unaffected by the struggles of life. No, he comes to us with calloused hands of a carpenter's son, complete with nail scars from a painful death to prove that he lived a difficult life and he understands a difficult life. His hands scream to us, I know pain. I know hurt. I know death. So you could trust me. He says, I have been through the fire. And when it comes to our faith, that is so important. And when it comes to trusting Jesus, that's so important. Because the fire of adversity is more important than you might realize. Because in the fires of adversity, something powerful happens that can't be found Without it, something powerful happens. See, see, when jars of clay, if they're left alone, we see how fragile they are. But, but, but honestly, clay needs to, uh, to, be, he needs to become ceramic. That's how you can, uh, you can have a, a pot that you put things in. The only way that can happen, though, the only way you can actually have something that doesn't break apart is through fire. A, a clay pot is put into a chamber of fire known as a kiln... And, and there it reaches temperatures as high as 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit. And once it reaches the right temperature, the pot is then transformed from a, from a soft form into a, a hard ceramic bowl. Usually a, a layer of glaze is placed over the top of the pot and then it's loaded back into the kiln for a second run through the fire, making it even more strong than it was before. Just like the fire strengthens the clay, the fire in our faith strengthens us through the flames. That we need to know that this can be us. That our faith is forged in the fire. That our faith is strengthened through adversity. That you need the flames of adversity to strengthen your faith. And we are not alone if we feel like this. ...in this uncharted territory of our faith. You should not be surprised when your faith is tested. It is part of the refining process. 
God uses difficult times to burn off all the old part of our life and to solidify the new life that we have in him. I love what the missionary to China, J.H. Hudson Taylor, said. He says, all God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on him being with them. My friends, if you are in a season of uncharted faith, you're in good company. Because God is in the habit of making giants of faith out of the ashes of doubt. And he wants to do that in you too. Perhaps you need to hang on to this more than anything else that I say today. The reality that our faith grows strongest when the flames are the hottest. Always remember that. Even when you're down and you're hurting, God is still fighting. He's fighting for you. He's defending you. He will not leave you. Your faith grows strongest when the flames are the highest. Even when you feel uneasy about your uncharted relationships and your job and your finances and your health or your faith. Listen, all of it is there. Strengthening you, forming you. But there is a freedom that is found in realizing this that you can feel distant from God and not be alone. That even the giants of the faith had moments of weakness and doubt. We all have that season in the dark. But here's what we have to be careful of, especially as we start to prepare our hearts for communion that living in the dark can be dangerous if we stay there too long. Because the longer that you're in the dark, the more you grow accustomed to it. Start to believe things that aren't true. The more your eyes get used to the gloom and the gray that's around you. See, much of what happens in our heads and our hearts is a result of staying in the dark too long. And and not letting the light of Jesus in. And the light of Jesus, when it's allowed in, is what gets your heart back to life so you could begin to to live again. And guys, yes, the world is difficult right now. The future is questionable. But here's what's not in question. Jesus. Jesus is always there. Jesus is the but not to all the junk that the world throws at us. The world may fail us, but not Jesus. The economy may be fragile, but not Jesus. Your friends might turn on you come election time, but not Jesus. Your family might disown you because you know Jesus, but not Jesus. Communion is the time where we remember that Jesus loves us so much that he would be the but not between us and death. He says that you deserve death, but not, since I say so, but not because of the cross. He he says, "I've, I've got you and I've covered you. And so in Jesus, we find our hope and we find that he takes on the flames of death and the flames of fear and anxiety and everything else to refine us into who he wants us to be. That our faith is forged in the flames when they are the hottest. So my friends, as we end this series, this uncharted life that we're in, may we bring ourselves back to Jesus every time, that only through him are we going to be able to get through, not just this, but whatever else comes after. And guys, I know that there are a lot of you out there that feel like a broken piece of pottery, and you feel flimsy, and you feel like there's not much left. 
But I tell you that Jesus does his best work when we are weak. He does his best work with lives that are shattered and frayed. Because it's when we are at our weakest that he comes and makes us strongest. That he takes us from this and he can create this. By the love, by his grace, by his forgiveness. This is not you. Jesus sees you as this. When we claim him as our Lord and Savior, he solidifies our faith. He allows us to cling to him. He allows us to know what true love is. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.